Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, well, it's going to be a fun one. I'm really excited for it because we're going to the big one. But before we get there, we are going to recap what went down at Martinsville last week because the podcast had another outright winner. So we're going to talk about what bets we hit, what bets we did not hit, and what we thought of the race because I think that's a pretty good topic coming out of that race and there's a lot to discuss so we will look back at martinsville for a little bit but then look ahead to alabama going to talladega baby just like the eric church song let's do it and we're going to talk about our strategy for this weekend especially if you're newer to the podcast newer nascar gambler set you straight tell you what to do this weekend as far as a strategy is concerned and then talk about some outrights but little uh, spoiler alert here. Pretty much everything's an outright on this episode, as we're going to talk about when we get to the strategy section. So I will kind of have things in the normal order, right? We're going to hit the outrights and then top tens and head to heads. But, you know, I'll say it again later. Anything can be an outright in this episode. So that is what to expect on this one. And it should be a fun one. I'm fired up for this. I'm, I'm quite honest with you. I am really excited. Uh, could barely contain myself. I was writing down the notes for this episode of the podcast. So uh, we'll start with Martinsville because I guess that's kind of part of it, right? We're coming off of a race where we hit on another outright for the podcast. And that was with Kyle Larson. Now, if you remember back to the podcast when we were talking about him on midweek last week, on a Tuesday night, he was going off at plus 750, and he was the first driver that we talked about in the outright section for good reason, and ended up getting him at plus 1100 on race day, and when the race was going on live, we've got some friends of the show that got him way better than that, plus 1700, plus 1500. Those numbers were hanging out there on Barstool, you know, as the race started because of what we saw in practice and qualifying can get him at a better number. So as the race unfolded, obviously Larson came back and took the lead at the end and it stayed green for us. So that's a big hit for the podcast at whatever number you got him at, big win. You know what I mean? It's always good when the driver that you really feel good about, we talking about how it was a little bit more chalky last week. And, you know, that was uh, something I wasn't ashamed of. And Larson, even though on race day, he wasn't as chalky as it maybe felt on Tuesday when we recorded, he went out and um, he got it done for us. So feeling really good about the way that went down. Now, uh, we'll talk about our bets, the ones that also hit here, the, the other ones, and then the ones missed. And then we'll talk about our thoughts on the race because uh, I've got plenty. So other bets that hit in this one, well, we called out Denny Hamlin for a top five, and that was at plus 130 on race day. That was a good bet. We liked that bet. Hamlin very easily could have won this race if the cautions didn't fall the way they did and they might have made a different decision in the uh, crew chief chair there. Denny Hamlin had a race car that was very strong. In a race that was tough to pass, he was passing cars towards the front of the field, getting up close to them, riding their bumper, and then overtaking them uh, when he had that opportunity. So really happy that we had Hamlin for a top five. That felt good. We called out Logano for a top ten, and when we were talking about him, he was minus 167. And then, sure enough, the sports books had him at minus 200 on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, heading into the weekend. Well, if you held off a little bit, as we said, you know, got to wait for practice and qualifying to come down a little bit. He was going off at minus 118 on Sunday morning. So um, snagged that number for Logano. And to be honest, it didn't feel great because he was starting in a bad spot to begin with after a, a not so great qualifying effort. And then they made some unapproved changes, started in the back. But uh, they took a risk, and even though he had a very bad race overall, man, he was leading the race late and then ends up finishing second to Larson. So uh, we'll take a, a minus 118 there for Logano, and we will say thank you, ma'am, and just go on our merry way. Then 
in the head-to-head section. We talked about Eric Almarola over Ryan Priest. That one didn't feel as good after qualifying. And then the first stage, my goodness, uh, Ryan Priest obviously won the pole and was winning every lap in stage one, but ran into some trouble. And that's really, if you want to dissect that head-to-head matchup a little bit further, um, you could argue that one of the reasons why it was better to take Amarola was just kind of the inexperience of Priest, just not used to being in that position maybe, right? Just like any other sport, you kind of get into a big moment, and if you're not used to it, you kind of flutter a little bit. Not to say that Amarola's been in a lot of those moments himself, but he's a, a wily veteran, and uh, he had a, a phenomenal race, so very happy that we called out Amarola. We got a little bit of a, a back and forth. Shout out to to Skybox, uh, Mark Harris, you know, on our Wednesday show. We had a big debate about Amarola versus Priest and came out victorious there. But Skybox got a package from him, delivered to the house this week. What a guy. Had uh, sent me a couple hats from Skybox Racing Hats and Lane Coin Pod Hats. Just awesome dude. So post a picture out that on uh on Twitter, I'll be rocking them this weekend, that is for sure. So, um, won that battle there. Another head-to-head we had was Bubba Wallace over Daniel Suarez. And this was another one where this race was just wonky because Suarez was performing pretty well earlier in the race. Then he ran into some trouble of his own. Meanwhile, Wallace was kind of chugging along, doing his thing. And uh, actually, I, I believe he actually had a, a speeding penalty as well, if I remember correctly. Uh, but Wallace ends up winning this matchup um, head to head. And then we called out Hendrick plus 250 and got lucky there as well. I mean, the fact that Larson really stepped up, there wasn't much Hendrick love in the top 10 for most of the day until Larson really stepped up and ran with it. Um, I assumed that we were going to get a lot more takers from the Hendrick camp, but hey, we're not going to complain at plus 250. Loving that 100%. Now, some misses here. Uh, on race day, we took Kevin Harvick top five, and this was one that I still believe in. That car was a fast car, and then obviously they ran into some trouble um, on pit road, so that is what did them in. We had Brad Kozlowski on the podcast calling him out as a top 10. He was running top five for a lot of that race. My God. And uh, then just the way the cautions fell, oh, man, that's devastating. I think he finished like, you know, mid-teens or 20ths or something like that. So um, not a great finish for Kozlowski, but he was running very strong, and that's kind of a theme for his season so far this year. Uh, we threw a flyer on Ty Gibbs. He was floating around 12th, um, you know, for a little while, but did not get the finish. And then Chris Busher over Austin Dillon was what we called out, and this one was just a smidge. All of a sudden, Austin Dillon came alive in stage three. Meanwhile, Busher was running where we thought he would run, right? Like 14th-ish. And uh, Dylan wins that matchup by a smidge. But you want to talk about a smidge, actually. I should have saved that adjective for this matchup because on race day, we didn't talk about it on the pod, but on the race day card, we threw out Denny Hamlin over Martin Truex, and this one looked good all damn day. And then with about 10 laps to go, Truex... Takes over Hamlin there, finishes third. Hamlin finished fourth. That one was tough to swallow because I was kind of counting those chickens before they hatched. Um, Another one we threw in live was Ryan Priest because in stage one, I was sitting here freaking out that Ryan Priest was going to win this damn race and lead every single lap because of how the race was playing out. So I took him at plus 550 in stage one. Like, this this guy's never going to not lead a lap. This is crazy how boring this is. Um, so obviously that one didn't pan out. But when you hit 11-1 as an outright and all the other ones that we talked about there, you are definitely in the black. So uh, a very good day again. Um, and it's kind of funny because we talked about Bristol Dirt. I was nervous about that one. Martinsville. Uh, just kind of doing recent Martinsville things and were able to come out victorious in both of these races. So feeling very good. Talladega doesn't see us coming. That is for sure. So let's get into some general race thoughts here because it needs to be discussed. Um, and our guy SC out there on Twitter, I mean, he said it best in, in one of the group chats that we're in. You know, no one's really talking about the racing because of all the, you know, extracurricular stuff that's been going on. 
um, the media and the radio and the podcast and everything. You know, no one's really talking about the racing at Martinsville this weekend. So, it, you know, the penalties and just Chase being back, you know, kind of getting overlooked. And we got to call it out because this was such a strange race. And I, for one, am left, even though, you know, putting gambling aside, right, as a NASCAR fan, I'm a bit disappointed here because the short track package for this next-gen car is, I mean, I think we've said enough or we've seen enough. It's garbage, all right? I'm I'm not holding back anymore. I'm not going to say, well, we need to see. It's garbage. I mean, they've taken some of the tracks that we love the most as fans, and they're turning them into absolute snooze fest. Now, if you look at or if you listen to the NASCAR Gambling Preview Show uh, race recap from Derek that he puts out after every race, I told him I was excited to hear what he had to say because I wanted to see, you know, did you did he like the race? You know, what were some of the things that he saw out there? And he threw a, a good stat out there, which had to do with passing because the previous races um, had a lot less passing according to this stat, which was saying that there were five-plus passes per lap in this race on Sunday. And compared to the previous races, I mean, that's way up. And I think that stat's a little misleading because, yeah, that that's great. And, you know, you could break that down a couple different ways. The first thing I'll say is that's great for the people who have gambled on things like top tens and head-to-head matchups because in order for this stat to be true, you know, that passing is happening in the field. And so that makes those bets a lot more entertaining. So I would say that if you're you're newer gambler, you know, then we got to remember when we're going to these tracks that have been, you know, stripped away of all of their entertainment just naturally, Bristol, Martinsville, Richmond, all the short tracks, these bets for matchups and top tens and group betting and all of that can still be fun because clearly, you know, five passes passes per lap that's a decent clip i would say but on the flip side it's definitely a misleading stat because the race did not have really anything at the front of the field Um, i think we maybe had two passes for the lead under green flag conditions that you know didn't happen on pit road if i remember correctly and that dog just won't hunt i mean that is just not what you want especially if you're trying to bring in new people who have not seen NASCAR before or younger demographic or whatever the stat that you want to throw out, it's just not going to work. All right. I mean, I legitimately, I'm not kidding around when I said that I threw money on Ryan Priest at plus 550, who was not going off at the favorite, by the way, at that time, live in stage three, he was like four or five people down. I threw money on him because I was legitimately concerned that the race was going to go and Priest was going to lead every single lap. That's how bored I was. That's how disappointed I was with the racing. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, after the race is over, okay, you know, we did have some different people up there and the the, the tire wear was weird. It was just very strange. And the decisions that people made on the track um, flipped the race around a little bit. So you could have had a, a good, strong bet that you made like a Keselowski top 10, and it just didn't shake out in your favor. Um, And Denny Hamlin on his podcast was talking about it. Like there were guys getting lapped in the first stage or two who had strong cars. Like Gano was under uh, pressure being, you know, a lap down. And, you know, then all of a sudden he's leading the race at the end. Like the, the position on the racetrack was everything because you could have the same strength of car in 28th as the guy who's in second. And that just was, you know, really kind of weird to watch. Um, So that is where my mind was at. And then after the race was over, I always, on a race like that, default to the Jeff Gluck poll. And 37% of the people out there said it was a good race. That is by far the worst race of 2023. And it's in the bottom portion of his poll overall which is just disgusting. So, again, these tracks that used to be kind of fan favorites, um, just not great. Now, I don't know what it was like at the track. You know, tune in Wednesday night 
sure Rory Picks, our guy, he was boots on the ground, got to see his favorite driver win the race. Shout out to him. Very cool. I would love to hear what his thoughts were, like in person. Maybe it was a little bit different. Um, Now, the other thing that was just super weird about this race was we said, uh, made a huge deal about it all week. You know, we got to watch practice, got to watch qualifying, got to use that data to our advantage. And what did practice and qualifying bring us? It brought us William Byron as the absolute favorite lock to win this fucking race at plus 450. And he was an absolute no-show. So it made everyone like myself who was out here saying, you got to watch practice, you got to watch qualifying, look like morons because he brought nothing to the table in the race and just, you know, was just driving around for a Sunday stroll. Um, that also kind of flipped the odds board on its head, and it's why you were able to get some of these guys, like a Larson, at a better clip than on Tuesday, Wednesday night. So it was just super weird. Strange that the, the practice data didn't really reflect, you know, into the actual race the way we thought it would. Um, so that just kind of goes to show you it's a mixed bag, right? You don't want to go all in on practice or you don't want to go all in on things earlier in the week, but you know, you do your due diligence. Like I always try to do when I'm talking about guys early in the week, I got my guys, right? I found these people for a reason. I'm going to stick with them. Um, and it's just all about, you know, the amount of investment you're making on them on race day because of the more useful information that you can find later. So, um, this was a race that was just wonky all around. And, you know, as I'm speaking right now, I'm thankful as hell that I'm coming out in the black because of how weird it was. So that was Martinsville. Um, just a weird run and I'm nervous, quite honest with you at the end of the year, this is going to set the championship for this race. Now, last year's race was, uh, terrible in the spring as well. And it brought, you know, it, better situation in the fall obviously the hail melon played a factor and bell winning that race um you know it's a little bit different vibe but i'm nervous again man it's not a, a good situation right now that they're in with the short package so um we'll move forward we'll move forward from the short track package to the biggest racetrack on the circuit talladega super speedway the big one is here and this is a race that I think you can have some fun with. All right. I'm not scared. Not scared of Talladega. I think if we were coming in to this race after getting our ass kicked a few times in a row and not having much success, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be, you know, shaking a little bit. But I'm coming in hot. I'm not going to let this 2.66 mile super speedway bitch push me around. No fucking way. All right. So. You know, practicing qualifying this week really doesn't mean much. So I'm feeling good right now where I sit. The guys that we're talking about right now, you know, I, not much is going to change uh, throughout the weekend that's going to make me say, well, you know, off of that guy. Um, now, I could be surprised. You know, every every week is different, but that's really what you're getting with a super speedway. The, the practice data is not anything that you're going to be able to say like, whoa, because they're just not in the pack like they are in the race. And so if you're new to the sport, new to gambling on it, we've been saying for the last few weeks that practice and qualifying mean a lot, not this week, a lot less actually. So um, it's a little bit different strategy. And the strategy for super speedways that I take overall is so much different than the ones that we go to on the the intermediates and the short tracks. So um, we will get into that in just a second. But Let's talk about why. I mean, the track stats. We always hit this segment, and this is a racetrack that they've been to 103 times in the history of the sport, which is phenomenal. I mean, we're coming off of Martinsville. It was like 148 times. Now we're 103 times. This is historic uh, streak right now for the schedule that we're in. The winner has started on the pole only 13 times in the history of the track, and the last time it happened was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 2017. The winner has started in the top five a little bit over 50% of the time, 54% of the time. That's a pretty good clip, and started in the top 10, 72% of the time. Not happened the last two races, though, last year. Those 
winners started in the mid-teens. Now, a winner starting outside the top 20, I always find this interesting. I feel like I say this when we go to Daytona and I say it when we go to Talladega. This is a track where, quote-unquote, anyone can win. Anything can happen, right? Because you don't have to have the top-tier equipment to win at these tracks. That's why people love them. Well, starting outside the top 20, it's only happened 8% of the time at Talladega. The last time it happened was Denny Hamlin in 2014, where he started 34th. So when we say kind of anything can happen and practice and qualifying don't mean everything, it still is worth your time to maybe watch it or at least you know see how these guys did. Because if we're on somebody to maybe win the race and they're starting 30th, that might not be the best situation, or you might be able to get them in a better uh, odd at that point. So manufacturer trends found this interesting. Toyota is just in an absolute drought, all right? If the name isn't Denny Hamlin, you've got to go back all the way to Tony Stewart in 2008 to find the last time a Toyota driver has won at Talladega. That is wild. All right. The two times Denny Hamlin has won is 2020 and 2014. So Toyota, they're plus 400 to win the race this weekend. I feel like that number should be much larger. The funny thing is, though, when you're thinking about the Toyota camp, right, you got Bubba Wallace. You've got Denny, two-time winner. You've got Christopher Bell, who's definitely frisky on these super speedways. So there are definitely capable drivers that could go out and get it done at this style of track. But um, to hear that trend is definitely eye-opening a little bit. Now, Ford definitely had their moment in the sun at Talladega. There was a long streak where they had back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back uh, back, 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 back winners. 11 of the last 14 winners have been Ford drivers. But a little bit of a butt there. 2022 swept by Chevy, Chastain, and Elliott were your winners last year at Talladega. So some fun trends to talk about there. Now, for new gamblers, and I could tell, I just have a feeling that we've got some people who are newer to the sport and newer to gambling on the sport. Just by looking at the numbers from the podcast, it seems to be kind of growing. And I have to imagine that there's somebody listening to this that hasn't really run into a super speedway before or a Talladega before. So um, if you are a listener, it's been around since day one, you know, bear with me a little bit because I'm kind of talking to those newer listeners out there. These odds that we're looking at, they're inflated. They're inflated for a reason. It's because it's so damn hard to win one of these races. Why? Because on a week to week basis, there's maybe, I don't know, I'm being generous, but maybe 15 cars that could win the race this week. There's well over 20, 25 cars. And so because of that, the odds are definitely inflated. Whereas last week, William Byron was going off at plus 450 to win the race as the favorite. This week, you know, it's like plus 1100 is the favorite. Um, so anyone can win. And, you know, that's the phrase that we say. And so the way that I like to play it is I spread my money around. I do not go super heavy on outrights. That's just not the way I like to play it. Now, you could be someone listening to this and say, oh, shoot, fuck that. I like going for the big ticket. This is a lottery ticket race. I could, you know, take my units and sprinkle them on long shots. And if it hits, you know, we're we're going to Sizzler. Um, but that's great. And that's a way to have fun with it. I would say you have to be responsible if you're going to do it that way. You have to be responsible at this racetrack no matter what. But I like to have a little bit more fun myself because the fact that it is so hard to actually win the race, I like to have... I like to diversify my portfolio a little bit when we get to Talladega, okay, and Daytona. So as I said, I'm going to go through the normal format of the podcast here. We're going to talk about three guys to potentially win towards the top of the outright list. But as we talk about our top tens, as we talk about our head-to-head matchups that I have called out here, for the most part, I would feel comfortable sprinkling a little something, not a full unit, by any means, but sprinkling a little something on any of the guys that we're talking about because you're getting them at super good value down the list. All right, so I'll try to mention it when we get to there, but um, 
that's the strategy that I like to take. Light, you know, low amounts of money bet on a little bit higher amount of bets, just sprinkling. That's kind of the, the best description I can have for you, sprinkling in around. Now, as far as the data that I'm looking at this week, I first like to look at the last 10 races at Talladega. They go here two times a year, so that's only bringing us back five years. So even some of the newer drivers are still getting a, a decent clip. Driver rating, average finish for last 10 at Talladega for sure. Then I'm looking at the last four super speedway races. And when I say super speedway, for me, what I'm talking about is Talladega and Daytona. Now, part of that reason is because I just simply am not convinced Atlanta is a complete comp to these tracks. All right. Now, when we go to Atlanta, the only thing we really have is Daytona and Talladega to comp. But if we're going to two of the big tracks, either one of the big tracks, we've got enough data that we can pull from um, from each other. So that's one reason. The other reason is because the website that I use doesn't allow me to you know, bring in, when I say the last four super speedways, if I could do like the last six and include Atlanta, maybe I would do that. But um, I am separating them there. But if you're a fan of Atlanta, being labeled as a super speedway, I do use win the race dot info and their true performance ranks and in 2022 we're going to be looking at who did well in super speedways and 2023 we've got daytona and atlanta so atlanta is included in the win the race true performance rank so um, you will hear me talk about a number of those things throughout the episode so just looking at the odds board you know the top of the list i mentioned the numbers are definitely inflated the Leader at the top is plus 1100. It's the two Penske guys, Logano 11 to 1, Blaney 12 to 1, and then you get into you know some of the other guys. So, just goes to show you how inflated they actually are. Now, we are not going to talk about either of those two guys again. If Blaney beats me, great, but I started last week kind of avoiding Blaney because he just hasn't been getting it done for me. Um, and as much as it pains me to do it this week at a racetrack where he is very strong, um, I'm not going to call him out as an outright. Uh, I will probably have something on him, you know, personally later. Maybe it's an outright or excuse me, maybe it's a head to head or a top 10 or something like that. But we're going to start with a different driver and it's their former teammate. So it's a good segue there. It's Brad Kozlowski. All right. And the guys that I'm talking about in the outright section are generally towards the top. So chalky sort of he's plus 1400. He's, you know, towards the top, but about five or six guys down. And when Martinsville ended, he was the first guy I like to just kind of start to throw my notes together, starting at that point. And he is who came to mind first, right? Before I even dug in at all, just thinking to myself, man, Brad just can't get the finishes. He's doing well this year. Right, he's raced really strong, but just has nothing to show for it. He hasn't been getting it done as far as the finishes are concerned. And we're going to a track now where he has been, you know, very good in this style. And this team should, if they don't already, have had this circled. So looking at Brad Kozlowski's last ten races at Talladega, he's got one win, two top fives, and two top tens. So not fantastic, but his average finish, 18.5. Again, remember when I'm listing off these stats, things are a little bit inflated. So 18.5 isn't phenomenal. It's not in the top 10 for average finish, but you know, it's tough to get a good average finish. That's for sure. His drive rating, however, is damn good. It's 90.3 and that's good enough for fourth. All right. Going back to 2021 his last year with Penske finished first and second at Talladega. That's not too far ago. Problem is, it was with Penske, and looking at the last four races on the, the big tracks, Talladega and Daytona, he has struggled quite a bit, but it's not because he was a bad car in the race. He's been strong. His driver rating has been there. His true performance rank this season is first. He finished 22nd at Daytona after running up front for most of the race, really strong, and then in Atlanta, 
He finished second. This is a team that is really coming around. RFK, you know, Chris Busher is somebody that I'm not going to talk about on this episode. He's just not somebody that I had marked down, but he's another one, right? RFK needs to be coming up with a big week this week. Last week for Kozlowski specifically, I mean, he was running top five as we called out and just a bit of a letdown there. So this team needs something. I have to imagine Brad is confident going into a racetrack like this where he has seen some success in the past. And in 2023, he's top of the board on the true performance ranks on Super Speedway. So plus 1400 for Kozlowski. I like that a little bit there. Next guy we're going to call out, and we're going to be pretty quick here this time around, just kind of going through the different drivers here because there's a lot of guys I want to get to in this episode. And the next one is Ross Chastain, 16 to 1. This is damn good value, I would say, for the winner of the race last year. And at this point last year, he had one coda, but he ends up getting the dub and securing himself with two wins. I mean, that was I think you could argue like Dakota win was maybe like, oh, you know, fluky. It was a crazy ending to the race. But Chastain going out and able to get it done at Talladega was like super eye-opening. Like, whoa, this team has something. Now, he didn't win a race for the rest of the year, but he went on that championship run. So you could say that this Talladega race sparked it, right? Because they were in the ball game with Dakota win. And then this really put them into the business of, hey, we're here, and we're not going anywhere. We're a championship contender. In the data set for the last 10 races, I think he has eight starts. His average finish is 17.6. That's not great, but the success that he's had has been very recently. One win, two top fives, two top tens, and four top 20s. Last year at this racetrack, he finished first and fourth. I mean, very strong stuff. His true performance rank in 2022 on Super Speedways is eighth. His drive rating in the last four big races, the Super Speedways, seventh. And his average finish is fourth in that time span, 11.8. So damn good stuff. In 2023, he's finished ninth at Daytona, 13th at Atlanta, and he's running second in the points. So we're talking about that's a resume for someone now you're getting at 16 to 1. Pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, and I was kind of shocked to hear or read that Ross was second in the points. I mean, that's kind of sneaky. And um, I would see this as a real opportunity for them to take chances. You know, they're kind of secure. You know that they're going to be pointing people to death later in the year. If they're in position, they're going to go for it. You know that he's aggressive. Sometimes aggression doesn't pay off at these super speedways, but you know, clearly lately for Chastain, it's been going the right way. So 16 to one, I like that. Now the last driver I'm going to call out for an outright is definitely chalky, but the number isn't as chalky as you would think. 14 to one for Chase Elliott. How is Chase not the favorite at this racetrack? I love it. I love it. Opportunity for us here to maybe take advantage of that. He finished 10th last week after coming back from his broken tibia and he had a shit run. Right, That car was useless. Average running position was in the 20s. And then he gets a top 10 finish. I mean, that's a Chase Elliott run right there for you. Chase is back, I guess you could say. And to be listed as like the fifth favorite or something like that is really what has my attention here. Because Chase's numbers at this track is very strong. Last 10 at Dega, two wins, four top fives, six top tens. And by the way, for Chase Elliott to get another top ten this week, he's plus 105. He's done it six times. I mean, amazing numbers there for Elliott. In his last four super speedway races, he's second in drive rating, which is 94.1. He's got a win, two top tens. In 2022, his true performance rank was first out of everybody. Best in the business last year on super speedways, according to the win the race website so how about him coming back last week getting that top 10 getting his feet wet a little bit and then going out and winning talladega that would be a storybook situation and i refuse to be the one reading that storybook with a frown on my face i need to get something in on him and 14 to 1 i'll take it so 
The picks here for the outrights, we're going with Kislowski 14-1, Chase 14-1, and Ross Chastain, defending champion of this race, 16-1. How much? $100? $200? Hey, wait a second. What are you doing? You're not betting. You know he's not supposed to bet. Come on, Jerry. It's a lock. Kramer, you've had this thing under control for almost three years now. Don't start again. But it's a lock, No. Just a good reminder, nothing is a lock at this racetrack but uh definitely love that kramer clip so let's move to the finishing position segment here and this is where i'm having fun man just fun stuff to take in this segment because we're calling out drivers who are popping up on my stat sheet left and right and in order to cash they don't have to even win the race now i will on occasion call out what they are to win the race uh, just in case you want to do that sprinkle situation that we mentioned. But let's start with someone who I feel like is being absolutely disrespected with the odds that they are going off at right now. And I'm looking at Barstool right now. And this is A.J. Allmendinger for a top 10 at plus 250. He's 50-1 to 1 to win the race. I mean, I, I feel like I'm obligated to take that. I mean, who did AJ piss off at Barstool to be just scorned like this? I, I would hope that after you kind of hear my explanation, you're on the same boat as me here. So, again, no idea why he is this long right now. But looking at his season, not the best, right? He's got nine starts. He's got one top ten. But the top ten came at Daytona. He finished sixth in that race. At Atlanta, for considering that, Super Speedway, he finished 16th. But I think that's a good case to be made. That's why I like that Atlanta race wasn't exactly a, a total Super Speedway because uh, a guy like this really wasn't a, a major factor in it. it actually, it was like completely let me down at Atlanta. Um, so we'll push that away because he wasn't in the Cup Series last year. He was in the Xfinity Series, and um, he had five Super Speedway starts in Xfinity last year. And those five races, including Atlanta, all right, so we're talking about two Daytonas, two Talladegas, and Atlanta once in the Xfinity Series last year, A.J. Allmendinger didn't finish worse than third. All right, that is absolutely insane. And yes, it's in the Xfinity Series, but... If you want to dive deep with me on this one, you could almost argue that that series would have more chaos to avoid because their drivers are less equipped to handle the situation and there would be more wrecks, more out-of-control drivers and crashes that are tougher to avoid. And somehow, someway, A.J. Allmendinger is able to bring it home third or better in Every super speedway start he had last season in the Xfinity series. That is a wild stat. And we know AJ Allmendinger by default, he's a road course guy and he's a super speedway guy. And that's, you know, really why we bet on him. That's when we bet on him the most. So just huge situation here for the gambler. I mean, there's no reason he should be at this number. I took this already for a top 10 at plus 250. Threw a little sprinkler of 51 because I just don't get it. Do not get it. The Xfinity Series experience and the experience that he's had overall in his history in the Cup Series at Super Speedways is going to translate to success in that 16 car. So, absolutely, A.J. Allmendinger, lock me in. This value is just too good to pass up, and he's just being completely disrespected by the books on this one. And if he goes out and lays a total egg, my hand will be up, but I think A.J. is going to give us an opportunity here to win some money. The next guy that I'm calling out is plus 150 for a top 10 finish on Barstool, and it's our defending Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenthouse junior this dude is just showing up all over my stat sheet this week and let's get right into it i mean at daladega specifically the last 10 races he's got three top five finishes four top tens unbelievable 40 percent of the time finishing in that top 10 
Really good stuff. He's in the top 10 for average fastest laps at this racetrack in that time span. If you're looking at the last four super speedway races, he's got the Daytona win, but that is his only top 20. So you could say, all right, well, you know, that's not too great, but it is a victory nonetheless. And looking at 2022's true performance rank, he was fifth in NASCAR. So that's pretty damn good. And then in 2023, picking up right where he left off at Daytona and Atlanta. Remember, that's being included in the true performance ranks. He's fifth compared to everyone there as well. So to me, this is worth a top 10 finish. I don't remember the last time the Daytona 500 winner went out and won at Talladega, but he's 22 to one to win the race. But I really like the top 10 situation here for Ricky Stenhouse. Sometimes you run into... Uh, scenario where the guy who wins Daytona, you know, everybody's on him at Talladega, but he just really doesn't have it at Talladega. Michael McDowell is someone that strikes me in that same category, right? He's phenomenal at Daytona. Good super speedway racer. Don't get me wrong. But Talladega is just not, he's not as strong there as he is at Daytona. It's just a fact. Now, Stenhouse, you could argue, is actually stronger at Talladega than he is at Daytona. So that's a good sign here for anyone who is betting on Ricky Stenhouse. So I'm a big believer in signs, and I will be one of those people this weekend. Plus 150 for a top 10 really stands out to me, so I like it. Next guy we're going to call out, it's Eric Jones at plus 170 for a top 10 finish. And if any person needs a finish... It's Eric Jones. I mean, his season, Legacy Motor Club, their rebrand, they came in hot, right, with the name change, and Jimmy Johnson is now an owner, and he's running some races, and blah, 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 blah. Things have not gone well for this team, especially if you're comparing it to last season. They need a good finish in the absolute worst way. So you'd have to imagine... When they're looking at Eric Jones's history at this racetrack, they're saying to themselves, okay, we're going to throw some eggs in this basket. Even as wild as this basket may be, I'd say this is an opportunity for them to go out and get that. Maybe a dub, right? That have, There's definitely people on their crew that thinks this weekend, this is our time. We're going to steal the show. And at 28 to 1, not too bad. For Eric Jones, but I'm really just zeroing in on just a top 10 finish. You got to, you know, crawl, walk, run, that sort of thing. When you're a team who only has one top 10 finish all season, you know, got to set some milestones for themselves. And that's what I'm doing as a gambler on this driver. I'm setting a, you know, goal. The goal is a top 10 because looking at his history at this racetrack, last 10 races, he's got two top fives, six top 10 finishes. That is tied for most out of anyone in NASCAR at Talladega in the last 10 races. I mean, that is just awesome. And it's not like going back super far either. He's got five top 10 finishes in the last six races at Talladega. That is absolutely crazy. Some of these drivers, AJ, Stenthouse, and Jones, these guys that were calling out for top 10s, they just have a knack for this style of racing. They somehow, some way, can avoid the craziness. They get it done. He's seventh in average finish at the last 10 races here, sixth in driver rating. And in the last four super speedway races, two at Talladega, two at Daytona, he's first in driver rating, 94.6. That is just badass. Looking back to last year, talked about how Legacy Motor Club not off to the greatest start this season, but last year on Super Speedways, his true performance rank was second behind everybody except for Chase. So now is the time to shine for that 43 car. They got to go out, get it done. And if they can, I'm going to be a benefactor of that, finishing in the top 10 at plus 170. So, Eric Jones, if you're listening to this, Make us proud, man, because we believe in you. Turn your season around this weekend. The last driver that I'll call out in this segment is just for fun. we got to mention it. This was a topic of conversation in one of the chats that I'm in on Twitter. It's Austin Hill. All right. 
he was going off on Caesars, just an absolutely ridiculous number for Austin Hill. Because if you're not familiar, he's an Xfinity driver, and he's getting the start among a couple other guys. Zane Smith's in the field this weekend. I believe Riley Hurst is back, and um, you know they're trying to make the race. But Caesars had him at twenty to one. That is just a ridiculous number. Now Barstool came out with their odds, and he's kind of where he should be. He's at fifty to one to win the race. So that's fine. The thing about Austin Hill is he has proven in the Xfinity Series that he is an absolute animal at Daytona, okay? Not necessarily at Talladega, but at Daytona, the last two years to start the year, Austin Hill has done it. And then in the Truck Series, if we go back you know, further in his career, he's done it there as well. Daytona, he's an absolute freak. I don't know how he does it, but you know, the odds this year for Austin Hill were like, not as inflated as you'd possibly think, right, as you're used to at the super speedways. I think it was like 6-1 to one on race day, and he goes out and he still gets it done. So there's reason for optimism for Austin Hill, that is for sure. But I, as a gambler, I'm just thinking, all right, well, how, you know, I don't need him to win the race. That would be just like shocking if he did that. But a top 10? At plus 250, that's the same as AJ. I mean, look at what happened in the Daytona 500. Travis Pastrana finished with a top 10. Riley Hurst finished with a top 10. You don't have to be a regular in the Cup Series to get a top 10 on a super speedway race. That is for sure. So the fact that he's so good in the Xfinity Series, I think that can translate. Just kind of the same case we made for AJ and his success last year on the super speedways. Just Worth a flyer for a top 10 at plus 250. Uh, definitely not worth 20 to 1 to win the race on Caesars. Just don't even think about that. If Caesars is the only one you have access to, just forget I'm even talking about Austin Hill. But, you know, if you do have a book that's giving you longer odds like this, he's worth a look because he does have that super speedway prowess that teams would desire. You know, these part-time teams where you're just one in running, excuse me, the one-offs, <laughs> then uh, this is definitely a solid driver that's thrown in the mix here. So Austin Hill, a little fun, throwing it out there for a top 10. That goes along, just to recap, the other guys that we're talking about, AJ at plus 250, Stenhouse plus 150, and Jones plus 170. Lock it in. If it isn't my car, Joe, it's still shake and bake, buddy! So let's get to some head-to-head matchups for this race. And, you know, I do have to pause just to talk about the concept of head-to-heads at a super speedway because they are very polarizing. I, for one, really enjoy the head-to-head matchups on super speedways because I like finding drivers that have an advantage over somebody else and just kind of going all in on those matchups. Now, when I say all in, I don't mean it literally, but saying, hey, I like this driver over another one. And if a big wreck happens and you're on the other side of that, man, it's a stress-free race the rest of the way, right? Because if your guy you're going up against gets wiped out, it's beautiful. You're just feeling like you're in the clear, and it's a great, great feeling. Now, obviously, there's a flip side to that. If your guy gets wiped out, That sucks, but um, that's the risk that you're running here. So because of that risk, there are definitely people out there who do not like head-to-head matchups on super speedways. I get it, right? It's to each their own. For me, I'm excited. I'm excited to try to find some matchups here. And there is, we're going to save the the best one for last because there is an absolute shit box matchup that we've never seen before. And I absolutely have to break it down. So we'll start though with my favorite matchup of the weekend. And this is Eric Amarola as an underdog, minus 110, taking on Tyler Reddick, who's minus 120. There is so much to like here about this underdog, Eric Almarola, in this matchup. Reddick, I mean, he's just someone, just face value. Tyler Reddick does not strike you as a super speedway guy, right? It's just not there. And the stats would agree with you. He's got three top 20s in six races at Talladega. His average finish is 23.3. Meanwhile, the driver that he's going up against in this matchup, who is 
again, the underdog, Eric Amarola, has the third best average finish in NASCAR at this track, 12.3. He's got a win, three top fives, and five top tens in his last 10 races. But something better, in 10 races, he has eight top 15 finishes. So, when we get to these head-to-head matchups, I say it week in and week out, but just a reminder... When we're talking about, especially a racetrack like this, where it's so hard to stay in the race and get a good finish, 8 for 10 top 15s, that is super consistent. That is exactly the type of driver that I want to bet on in a head-to-head matchup at any racetrack. That's really good stuff. In his last four super speedway races, Almarola is sixth in driver rating, 84.5. You want to know what Reddick's is? It's down there in the mid-60s. So in driver rating, recently, he can't compete either. And in 2023, just looking at the two races that we've had so far this year, the true performance rank for Almarola is eighth. Tyler Reddick is 15th. And as we say, Ryan Stevens, the one who owns that website, when the race says, if you have an advantage big discrepancy in the true performance ranks, that is an opportunity for you as the gambler to capitalize. And that's a pretty big discrepancy. It's almost double for Redick what Amarola's numbers are. So really good stuff. I love Amarola as the underdog, minus 110. I'm taking that right now. And by the way, that's on Caesars. Forgot to call that out. Still, as I'm recording, do not see anything out there on Barstool just yet. But Caesars has a number of different matchups, and all of these that I'm talking about are on there. So um, Amarola, a lot of good things to like about him. And top 10s, you know, a 50% hit rate for a top 10 for Amarola to win the race. He's like 2,800. So I'm big on Amarola just coming off of a great weekend for them. That team, they were so strong at Martinsville. Stuart Haas as a whole Super strong at Martinsville. So they are riding a high into a racetrack that he is very good at. So i got to go in on. And there it is. And the fact that he's up against Redick, like it even better. Next matchup that I have here is Ty Gibbs. And this is over Harrison Burton. This is actually kind of funny because I'm seeing Ty Gibbs over two different people in the head-to-head sections. All right, You can get them a couple different ways. Gibbs over Harrison Burton or Gibbs over Justin Haley. Pick your poison. I think the one that I like better is over Harrison Burton because I love to fade Burton on these super speedway tracks. But let's first talk about Ty Gibbs, young driver, right? And I think this is considered his official rookie season. He finished 37th last year at Talladega, filling in for Kurt Busch in the 2311 car. And, you know, to me... You say to yourself, damn, 37th, that's that's shitty. But that's good for the gambler because that's what the sports books are looking at. They're saying, all right, how'd they do last time they were here? 37th, ooh, that guy might not be that good. I, however, would disagree with that a little bit. I mean, I think Ty Gibbs is not a slouch. If you look at his 2023 true performance rank this year through two races, it's 14th. Better than mid-pack compared to the group. His average finish this year in the two tracks, 17.0. He had a top 10 at Atlanta. So that's good stuff. Now, the thing about Ty Gibbs is kind of dig back into how he did in the Xfinity series on these types of tracks. And overall, he was solid in Xfinity on super speedways. 2022, his stats on the big tracks, 7th, 7th, 11th, and 35th. So obviously, he got caught up in a wreck. That was at Talladega. Um, one of the times that they came there, but two sevenths and an 11th. And then if you consider Atlanta, he won that race. So clearly he's somebody that is capable to bring the car home somewhere in that, you know, 10th to 20th frame. He finished 13th at Daytona 500 this season. So if you're saying to yourself, well, you know, Xfinity stats, they're nothing, you know, don't, don't, Come at me with that. All right. Well, then 13th, Daytona, the most recent situation we could possibly have is uh, something. I mean, that's a big stage for a young kid, and he goes out and gets a solid finish there. 
Harrison Burton on the other side of this matchup is absolutely hopeless at super speedways. And I hate saying it because I love the 21 car. I love what it stands for. And I cheer for Harrison because he seems like such a good dude, happy-go-lucky guy, just kind of in a weird spot in that car. And it's so intriguing because Harrison Burton is almost like a siren to gamblers, right? Siren as in like the, the mythical creatures from the Odyssey. All right, because his numbers are so long and you're saying to yourself, damn, that 21 car. You know, I've seen that in victory lane before. I, I know that car has the ability. Harrison, you know, he, he's young. Maybe he could go pull it off. I've been there, but I also have seen the finishes and they're just not there. His average finish in the last four super speedway races is 28.8. It's just terrible. Gibbs up against Burton, and I'm throwing Justin Haley in here as well because Haley is another one. Like you'd think, all right, colleague, kind of a same situation there as a 21 car. And the Wood Brothers, they haven't gotten the finishes either. So to me, though, Burton, Burton versus Haley would be a hilarious matchup. But um, Gibbs versus both these guys this season, he's two and zero against both of them at Daytona and Atlanta. So I just it's a combination of looking to Gibbs as someone that is serviceable enough to go out and bring the car home 15th. And I think a 15th place finish beats both Harrison Burton and Justin Haley in whatever matchup you want to take on whatever book you can find that. So Gibbs over either one of those two guys, I am very, very into. So the last head to head matchup this week, this is awesome. I am so pumped. It's fun. And it's going to be a difficult one to kind of call out, but I had to. As soon as I saw this listed, this is on Caesars. As soon as I saw it there, I, I wrote it down. I was like, holy shit, I got to do this on the podcast. It's J.J. Yaley versus B.J. McLeod, the Battle of the J's, J.J. versus B.J. And I don't know who at Caesars was having a, a fun time putting these matchups out there, but hats off to you dude whoever you are hats off to you because this is an absolute hilarious matchup I mean, if you're newer to nascar these two guys they are just back markers you know you could almost kind of label them starting parks uh, if that's still a phrase but they both have not competed in the full season so far and when you sit down and you're trying to say like all right well who do we have as an advantage in this matchup it's really close but i had to do it I had to look at it because of the fact that we might never see this something like this again. Um, so looking at their average finishes at Talladega, McLeod, his average finish in five races is 29.9, just ugly. And Yaley is 30.8. So they are just right there. Uh, they're perfectly matched up with each other. And when you're looking at their best finishes in the last five races at Talladega, both of them have the same exact number. 25th is their best finish at this race. And it's funny because you can't really compare them like apples to apples because these are guys who are not in every single race. So when you say like, all right, well, who won the series like head to head at Talladega? It doesn't work that way because it's tough to determine, you know, what races they were actually in together. Um, so clearly the average finish has them together. Their best finish of their career at Talladega is the same. Both this season only have six starts. Now, looking at it there, JJ has the advantage over BJ two to one. And Yaley also has the best finish of the year between the two of them. That was a 20th place finish at Bristol Dirt. You remember JJ kind of made some news at Bristol Dirt because he qualified third after the heat races. That was really good performance for Yaley. And if you're looking at the True performance ranks, very minimal data uh, between the two of them. But Yaley has a five-spot advantage over BJ in the true performance ranks this year on Super Speedways. Um, and we're counting Atlanta for that one for JJ, where he finished with a you know mid-20s uh, finish there. So that's why he is looking pretty good. Five spots in the true performance rank is pretty significant. Um, I don't want to downplay that that's a pretty big deal so it's because of those things head to head this year two to one for jj 
His best, the best finish between the two of them this season goes to JJ and the true performance ranks having a five spot advantage over uh, BJ. Yaley is the pick. This is a shit box matchup. I love it because you're going to be tracking all the guys up the front and then you're going to be waiting around for their ticker to show, you know, 30 to 36 on the board. So uh, this is going to be a fun one. I'm into it. I think if you finish in the mid 20s, you win this matchup. And, you know, I think JJ Yaley has that ability to go out and get that done for. So JJ Yaley over BJ McLeod. Never thought I would say those words on a podcast with an opportunity to take that matchup, but I have to. Now, um, I'll finish the, the head-to-head segment here just by saying this is an opportunity for you to have some fun this weekend. Um, a matchup like that, you'd never want to throw a, a ton of eggs in that basket. That's really just having fun. But I'm someone who loves parlays, and if you have DraftKings, and if you have Caesars with head-to-head matchups, they allow you to throw parlays together. Have some fun. I mean, you know, don't go too crazy. Don't be throwing, like, full units on it or anything like that. But, I mean, I could cook something up right now. Actually, why don't I do that? I'm, I'm pulling on my phone right now, and I'm trying to pull up the, the Caesar app. So they've got tons of head-to-head matchups out there right now. I mean, you could throw something together real quick, and they've got – Let's see. Christopher Bell and Kevin Harvick. I'll take uh, Harvick plus 100. I love the the plus money there. Dylan versus Briscoe. I'll take Dylan. Um, Hill versus Sendrick. I'll take Sendrick. Kozlowski over Chastain. I guess I'll take Kozlowski. Larson and Kyle Busch. I'll take Busch. I mean, I didn't think I'd be doing this right now, but um, I've got a five-leg parlay, and it's already plus 2,200. I mean, that's just crazy. How about this matchup? Zane Smith and Corey LaJoy. My goodness caesar's just bringing the heat this week i love it uh I'll go with lajoy there over my boy zane truex and suarez my uh, i saw that earlier and i was like mm, let me dig into that maybe for the podcast and i was no 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 uh, i i can never um dig into that so uh yeah i guess i'll go suarez there just because of uh truex's super speedway history gibbs over haley we talked about byron and blaney i'm gonna go blaney McDowell and Almondinger. I'm going to go Almondinger. I mean, folks, I'm up to a 10-leg parlay, and this is plus 52,000. All right, so you, you bet a dollar, you're winning 520 bucks. So opportunity for you to have some fun. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. Don't go too crazy. But when people say, like, oh, you know, I'm not into Talladega or Super Speedways in general, I get it. Right, because you're you're in this to win some money, but there are an op- there's chances throughout the year for you to also have some fun while you're watching the race. And if you're someone with a favorite driver and your driver gets wiped out early, like mine used to, and I cheered for Casey Kane, it's better to have some other dogs in the fight. So um, that's really the point that I'm trying to make here. Have some fun this weekend at Talladega. Now. As far as uh, the rest of the week's concerned, we got the trucks are off this week. Had a, another good week last time out there at Martinsville with the trucks, even though that race was terrible. We'll probably recap that in a few weeks with the NASCAR Betting Preview Show podcast and Derek Yoder. And then speaking of Derek and the show, I am not 100% sure if I'll be on this week with the boys on the Twitter Spaces show for NASCAR Betting Preview Show because... Going to Myrtle Beach, playing some golf this weekend with my buddies, and we're heading down. I am neglecting packing right now and doing anything responsible so I could uh, do the podcast. So put myself in a tough position, but heading down to Myrtle Beach, not sure if I'll have the ability to be on the call on Wednesday, but if I am, then uh, I'll definitely jump on while I'm throwing back some beers, sitting by the pool, and uh, we are golfing uh three courses so if you're familiar with the myrtle beach area and you want to throw us you know some bars to go to or any any good spots let me know i'm all ears we're golfing the world tour golf links which is a a course that has a whole modeled after real life courses so we've got amen corner from augusta we've got tpc sawgrass island green you know all sorts of cool stuff there looking forward to that the other two are Tidewater Golf Club and the Barefoot Resort Peter Dye Course. So 
If you're a golfer, you've been down to Myrtle Beach, golf these horses, let me know because we've got a competition going. I'm looking to uh, get any sort of info on these courses we possibly can, man. So definitely all ears. And uh, I'll be back just in time to throw some money down on the race on Sunday. So uh, going to South Carolina, there's no legal gambling in South Carolina. Luckily, I got guy Chris from Flag Hunting Pod threw me his uh, Bavada uh, referral code. Not sure if I'll get desperate enough to, you know, sign up for Bavada, but we'll see. And, um, yeah, so just a little mini, I don't know, Phil's fired up about going on vacation type of thing. Uh, and also letting you know, might not be on the, the Wednesday night show. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. And if I survive the trip, we'll be back next week. But um, go out, have some fun this weekend, bet responsibly. You know, spread your bets around, strategize the right way, and have a good time and win some money at Talladega this weekend. And we will be back next week to do it all over again. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time. Place to go. Hell, no place to go.